ஒரிஜினல்ஸ்டர்ஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீ
Okay, so yeah, this is going to be a slightly longer answer uh, mm-hmm. because there is uh, so much to talk about it. Last year in uh, month of uh, March, April 2020, when the pandemic was coming in, people were realizing that there are more COVID-19 cases happening in the country. So we as a company uh, started offering a solution which was like a package solution to government organizations and uh, NGOs who were involved in managing the spread of COVID. Mm-hmm. And this package essentially provided them uh, tools for integrating data which was coming from different healthcare facilities and all other sources about new cases and all the challenges which were being faced. And that data got integrated into a map and all this data was also presented in form of a dashboard. So these maps helped people in understanding what was going on and dashboard presented a summary, summarized information uh, to authorities for making critical decisions. Now, let me give you some examples. So we worked with uh, many large cities and state governments and organizations like NDMA, National Disaster Management Authority. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about states, uh, some states that come to my mind are uh, Punjab, uh, Haryana, uh, UP, uh, Maharashtra, Karnataka, Tamil Nadu, uh, mm-hmm. Assam. So these are some of the states uh, that started using this this technology, this solution for COVID management. Mm-hmm. And in terms of larger cities, cities like Mumbai, Gurgaon, Bangalore, they had their own challenges and they wanted to manage it separately being large cities. So they also installed uh, this uh, system. Uh, which was offered free of cost and we also bundled two weeks support uh, to ensure that the data they had got integrated and help them in creating the maps and dashboards and once we did that initial work then every day data automatically used to get updated in these dashboards and maps so integration of this data was in terms of uh, all the healthcare facilities that were available in their areas uh, hospitals a number of beds of different kinds how many ICU beds I have, how many ventilators I have, uh, what is the total uh, capacity and what is the availability at a given point in time, mm-hmm. uh, in which area, how many new COVID cases I'm getting every day and uh, right. wherever there were hotspots. So what has caused the hotspot? Was there a special, uh, some incident which took place, uh, which caused a, a spike in the coronavirus cases. So these kind of analytics were done and also looking at the number of cases which were happening and what was forecasted where should i be setting my containment zones and uh, quarantine facilities so this whole information used to come in form of a dashboard and a map and you know visually when you look at things visually then it's easier to understand and one can really draw a lot of uh, uh, insights into this data and and understand what's what was going on and what actions can we take to control? And if one took the action today, and if you want to see what's the impact of that after three, four or five days, mm-hmm. uh, then that impact also could be seen on these, these uh, dashboards and maps in terms of a reduction in coronavirus cases or higher utilization of quarantine facilities or making availability of beds and all those things. This map and dashboard also has a facility to monitor oxygen levels and some of the uh, states and cities are still using it to manage the oxygen availability and uh, and and setting up threshold where more uh, requests should be submitted and uh, 
uh, and and running the analytics that what will be required when of course today we see much lower number of cases across the country so that pressure has come down but i think this preparedness which was created a year ago mm-hmm, uh, has right. been helping people over the year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you spoke about dashboards and visualizing data i can understand it's a whole uh, you know there's a whole involvement of tech in all of this uh, so and then there are other emerging technologies that we keep talking about these days artificial intelligence machine learning uh, internet of things so how do these align along with uh, gis yeah it's a very good question and these technologies are very important uh, and uh, gis is a data uh, intensive system so i mean any gis system has lot of data at the back end and it becomes very important uh, to be able to find trends uh, and uh, whatever else is happening in a short time because then if you find the trends and patterns early then that much earlier you can you can make those decisions mm-hmm. so technologies like ai and machine learning along with gis are becoming very popular in uh applications like uh, traffic management traffic prediction in areas like agriculture in finding patterns in the incidence of healthcare like malaria and dengue uh, looking at different kind of vegetation in looking at uh, uh different plantations and finding out that what kind of crop is being grown where and what is the yield expected and also things like automatic a uh, recognition of patterns like uh, rooftops in a given area to understand that what is the total built up area and also things like like once you do measure the rooftops in a city uh, if you want to calculate the total solar energy pot- potential for that city it can easily be done uh, mm-hmm. uh, so that how much solar energy can be generated by utilizing the rooftop space that is available in a city can is a very important insight that one could have in terms of managing uh, the uh, the renewable energy resources right right so uh, you spoke about the applications of gis across uh, industries including healthcare and energy and agriculture and, yeah exactly yeah. agriculture so i think aligns very well with the a new india 2022 strategy that the government has been emphasizing on uh, which is about inclusive and balanced development of all sectors so and uh, to my mind another thing that comes to mind here when we talk about geospatial technologies is also railways uh, uh, and is also the ports that we have right so uh, what are your thoughts on that so in railways and ports uh, the use of gis so far in our country has been less Mm-hmm. uh and uh, i think these two areas should be given a lot of focus uh, like it is being given for roads and highways and airports a similar focus is required in these areas as well mm-hmm. uh, both uh, ports and railways are uh, asset intensive fields and in railway there are assets like uh, the wagons and the track and there are track renewal schedules and wagon movements and uh, and, and stock and rolling stock all those kind of things are there uh, so if all the assets of railways are brought onto a gis platform i think overall uh, the railway efficiency uh, and uh, and the cost of operation can can probably come down 
and also it can help in uh, keeping the tracks in a healthier state so that accidents could be avoided which happens because of damage to the track so those accidents could also be avoided and also some analytics in terms of uh, looking at demographical pattern and population density in certain areas uh, railways can also make decisions about uh, setting up new new stations and adding platforms and expansion and those kind of activities uh, in terms of port again ports have uh, uh, multiple applications the the largest application that i've seen uh, in other countries is about uh, management of land that ports have typically ports have a large mass of land available to them and uh, sometimes they, they lose track of the land they don't even know how much land is with them and uh, this land is typically used for uh, storing containers movement of vehicles uh, building residential areas for map for the port employees so the land is an important uh, valuable commodity and it's it's good to one should keep track of that and and apart from that there are a lot of other uh, other usage of technology which comes in in terms of the the ocean profiling and uh, keeping track of the water levels and what vehicles are coming what what are the containers which are getting offloaded what is being loaded and where what containers are so the whole thing can be put on a gis platform and combined with the uh, iot devices iot sensors on some of uh, these assets and uh, and containers etc so that tracking becomes easier movement becomes easier overall uh, efficiency of port can go up so uh, so it's it's about land management it's about better efficiency through use of iot's it's uh, it's about uh, tracking um, it's about uh, expansion of ports so there are a number of areas where it can help in ports as well mm-hmm. right right and then what's your uh, take on the new geospatial data policy guidelines that have come in very recently just liberalize the sector uh, in india right so so government has essentially deregulated a geospatial data framework uh, by coming out with uh, guidelines which are uh, more conducive for production for creation and processing and sharing of data geospatial data especially so these guidelines uh, are these are really a good uh, a step in the right direction and uh, government has removed all that ambiguity and the controls which existed for decades so the new uh, guidelines have been drafted on two principles one that any geospatial data that is available outside the country should also be made available to individuals organizations both in government as well as private sector and also ngos and academia etc so if people in other countries have access our people should also have access and second if any data has been created by a government department using public money it should be made available free or at a very nominal fee to private sector and other users so these are the basic principles on which these policies these new guidelines have been drafted mm-hmm. and uh, so these will make sharing of data among different government organizations uh, very easy which was not the case earlier even if organizations were sharing with each other there was lack of uh, policy and lack of clarity about what could be shared what could not be shared uh, was there at that time and private sector used to find very difficult to get data uh, government departments who were creating that data so those controls have gone and i think this uh, relaxed uh, environment where uh, data availability will be easier uh, will go a long way in uh, 
in the increased use of uh, geospatial technologies including gis in the country and there's a clear realization that the geospatial economy which is at rupees uh, uh, 30000 crores it can be taken to rupees 100000 crores by 2030 uh, by taking uh, these steps and also because there'll be it, it is expected that in the in the new decontrolled environment mm-hmm. a lot of private sector organizations may also start uh, creating data collect doing surveys surveys on ground surveys through drones a service of uh, service through uh, airborne sensors so if more data gets created the economic development of the entire country can actually get stepped up because this gis and geospatial technologies are relevant for every sector of economy and uh, it will create a lot of jobs because while all these surveys and data collection and data processing and solution development is done obviously we require a lot of people so there'll be right. thousands of new jobs which will be made available as a result of that mm-hmm. so can we also relate it uh, to sustainable development that we keep talking about yeah i think sustainable development uh, is a very very important subject and it's uh, it's really uh, very critical for us and good that you brought out this subject um we are dealing with uh, many many challenges today we are we deal with uh, natural disasters we deal with pollution climate change uh, urbanization a lot of population mm-hmm. increase water shortage energy shortage so there are number of challenges which we face today and uh, sustainable development is important whether we look at uh, sustainable development goals or otherwise gis is a very very relevant technology if we just look at 17 sustainable development goals of un uh, starting from number 1 which is poverty number 2 which is zero hunger uh, i think gis plays a big role in these areas uh, mapping out people uh, what what are they doing what are the job opportunities available in terms of uh, reducing poverty providing health insurance looking finding out vulnerable populations in which areas do they live uh, looking at the people who are living in slums and other areas other similar areas uh, looking at uh, food supplies and nutritional challenges so uh, no poverty and hunger uh, can be can be addressed by by the use of gis then there are other very important areas like uh, goal number sdg uh, number 6 and 7 which is clean waters water and sanitation and number 7 is affordable and clean energy now these two areas are also extremely important and a lot of use of gis is happening in these segments and uh, providing clean water and is a part of government's agenda in india prime ministers announced the program that uh, all the citizens in urban as well as rural areas will have access to uh, clean water and uh, uh, sanitation is being handled under swachh bharat abhiyan so these in these areas gis is being used and it's uh, it's helping helping quite a lot and uh, about affordable and clean energy yes that's another area where a lot of investment is being done and uh, more can be done to ensure that we look at uh, look at different means of uh, getting energy like solar energy wind energy and uh, con- conservation of energy improving the the distribution reducing the distribution losses and bringing in higher efficiency and and then there are other goals like uh, sustainable cities and communities again as a part of smart cities uh, okay. it is being uh, managed in india and the gis plays is playing a very important role 
uh, in smart cities and smart communities. In fact, we as S3 India are working with uh, almost 40 cities right now uh, under the smart city mission wow. and, and helping them improve areas like uh, water distribution, uh, better traffic management, uh, solid and liquid waste, waste management, uh, and uh, uh, better connectivity. So these are some of the areas where uh, we are working. And it's a, it's a very, very important subject. And, and GIS provides a framework. So, so here it's uh, it's like a nervous system. So GIS right. provides the framework and a process to leverage data which is available and gets collected uh, to inform better development planning and investment through better understanding and collaboration among different departments. So GIS becomes a repository of data which uh, which encourages people to collaborate. Uh, it, it, it sort of becomes an inspirational system. And uh, it provides uh, uh, people the understanding which is required uh, to understand the challenges of a given area. So, uh, see if various people who are uh, managing a city or a or a or a community, if they have a common understanding through the data which is available, uh, then they can take coordinated decision and uh, set a process in place uh, which helps them in planning as their situation in terms of people's expectation and people who are living in that area, as those things change, they can plan for the future. And collaboration for each uh, through the stakeholder engagement, uh, which leads uh, people and organization uh, to to be better informed and take more effective actions uh, is also enabled by the use of GIS. So this is uh, is the framework, GIS provides a process uh, to use sustainable development data uh, to inform better for development for better development planning and investments, and ultimately going to support the the dream that we are trying to realize as a country. True, true. So then, uh, how can GIS be used in various phases of uh, disaster management? Okay, so yeah, I mean, we as a country uh, also face uh, several disasters every year. Right. Uh, whether these are in form of, uh, uh, I mean, we face pandemic or we get few cyclones each year. So uh, disaster management is a is a very key application of GIS, and uh, uh, it supports people in handling the disaster or managing the disaster situation end to end. And it starts from pre-disaster planning. So, mm-hmm. so there are two kinds of things. I'll give you an example that how today the country deals with cyclones. So if you go back like maybe a decade or two, if there's a cyclone, we would lose thousands of lives, maybe 10,000 lives. Yeah. So this phenomena was studied quite in depth and uh, a sort of many coastal areas, coastal states like Andhra Pradesh and Orissa, uh, they, they planned you know, areas which were safe. They created cyclone shelters for people. They created areas where people could be evacuated and taken as a planning activity to face a disaster, face a cyclone. So GIS helped in creating those areas which were safer. GIS technology was used to see that how people should be moved from a, a city area or a coastal area to the safer areas. Do we have roads? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the population change which is going to happen? Are we building enough capacity? So those decisions were taken. Then uh, you will see that today when a cyclone comes or cyclone is about to come 
there are forecasts so so there are better forecast mechanisms and for the most recent cyclone uh, which came to uh, west bengal and odisha uh, we as sri india had uh, released a simple uh, mobile phone based app where any citizen in the country could could track the path of the cyclone and know that where the landfall is going to happen at what time and what is the quantum of rain expected mm-hmm. so that at citizen level they could understand what was going on and, and make some plans and this was used by over 2 lakh people so 200000 people downloaded that in one single day and used it. so it's wow. a hugely popular app application and it was it was free of course anybody could download and use it so that's another part of planning then during the disaster through video feeds and through people posting uh, messages through their twitter uh, accounts and posting some videos of the cyclones so administration can get better understanding of of what's what's going on during the cyclone what is the kind of damage happening in which area the cyclone is having impact so so that's uh, second phase and the third phase comes is about understanding the impact of the disaster then what is the damage uh, typically damage happens to uh, dwellings and houses and also to electric poles and mobile networks and those water lines so they get damaged because of uh, cyclone so so understanding that what is the quantum of damage and then rescue of people at the same time because some people may be trapped so find out finding out people if somebody is trapped and where they are and how to how to rescue them and then the recovery work starts so re- crews have to come in for restoring the 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 communication lines the water pipes so all this is typically managed through a map because most of these cities today have the electric lines available on a map and they they use that uh, those maps to find out where the damage is and what is needed to fix those damage what are the parts required how many people are required so the recovery planning and later on if the reconstruction broken houses what is the damage in which mm-hmm. area what is the government support required how do how do we do reconstruction and rehabilitation of people so yeah. this whole thing is managed through a gis system wow that's super fascinating uh, so my last question to you is what is your advice uh, to the new talent uh, that's entering the workspace do you think that there should be some skills that must be developed considering we are a tech enabled world yeah for the new people who are entering into the workplace uh, they should try to be gis literate i would say because uh, gis and uh, such technologies are being used in every sphere of life mm-hmm. so if if somebody is studying in a university or a or a institute like that uh, they should try to learn gis so that uh, whether they work in a government setup or they work in a private organization whether they work in a bank or a telecom company or a utility company uh, or a insurance company they will be required to to use uh, geospatial technologies like gis in their work so mm-hmm. if they are already if they have some understanding before they join their their organization uh, it will come very handy when they they find some challenge of that kind so it is it's a in thing and today if you see in our personal lives we all use maps in some way or the other whether it is finding a location or whether it's ordering something so we 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 use maps in day to day life and that is true for organizations also whether in government or private organizations also use or will need to use 
maps and uh, and gis in their in their work to to run their business and every organization has lot of data uh, or most of the data which has location component attached with that whether it's a location of offices or location of factories location of vendors addresses of employees which employee works at what location so all the data has location so if if it's available in a gis system then making decisions and taking actions becomes easier especially i've seen in the time of uh, this covid 19 Mm-hmm. when this question came about uh, opening offices uh, about several months ago mm-hmm. uh, at that time we again offered a app to private sector by which in which they could upload the database of all their employees with the addresses and then also the database about the work locations and wherever the offices are and they could see if a employee wants to travel from his residence to office does he have to pass through any red red zone yeah. uh, because if there's a red right. zone he will not be allowed to go right. so so those kind of analytics were possible very easily through mobile devices whether the commute is possible or not possible yeah. so 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 this is a important technology so it's uh, it will be good for all the students to to learn a little bit about this yeah thank you so much uh, mr kumar that was such an insightful uh, conversation thank you for joining thank you pragya So if you have any feedback or would like to feature in HD Smartcast leadership lessons you can ping me at the rate pragagulati on linkedin you can also write to us at the rate hd smartcast hd smartcast is present across social media platforms including facebook twitter instagram youtube and linkedin for more such podcasts go to htsmartcast.com thank you this was an hd smartcast original HD Smartcast